0: Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Krista Sip. Krista is a literary manager, producer, and co-founder of First Friday Entertainment, a management and production company founded by Devin Byers and Krista, dedicated to showcase fresh and unique voices. Krista, we are very excited to have you on the show today. How's it going?
1: Good, happy to be here, excited to talk and about my favorite subject. <laughs> Management.
0: We are excited too. My first question though is always where are you in the world right now?
1: I'm in LA, I'm in the Valley, which has turned out to be a little bit of a blessing in the wake of things. We're not right on top of each other, you know, neighborhoods pretty considerate and and everyone most for the most part masking up and keeping distance and, you know, I'm feeling very fortunate and blessed
0: these days. You mentioned unmasking, obviously quarantine going on right now. How is that affecting production? I imagine that things are being developed right now. Maybe it's a good time for development. How is that affecting you and what you do?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's, we've definitely shifted more to the development side of things. Um, it was funny, like the first couple of weeks of lockdown, getting the fastest reads ever from executives because they had the time in their hand. Protection still a very much a big question mark. You know, we have some stuff that's ready to go as soon as we get the green light. And people figure out, you know, what their safety protocols and measures are. Um, you know, it's it's a balancing act. You know, uh, clients wanting to work, but also wanting to stay healthy and safe. Um, so it's so it's it's been a lot of a lot of development, a lot of writing. My clients have been very productive during these times, um, but looking forward to what the new what the new normal is um, production wise.
0: As far as that new normal, do you have a sense of a timeline? Obviously, things are kind of up in the air right now with yeah. coronavirus. Is there any sense of when that is going to be? Is it looking like 2021?
1: I mean, for LA production, I I have no idea. Um, you know, I I have some movies that you know, we're supposed to start uh, pre-production, I think, last week, still being pushed as, as it goes. Um, I think in other places it's happening a little bit sooner. I think Atlanta is happening sooner. I know um, up in Vancouver they're already going. Uh, so it it's just depends on where it's shooting. Uh, LA, L.A. might be one of the last places to kind of open up and get going.
0: Tell us about your origin story. So how did you get to this point?
1: I had no idea that this was a job. Like I had no idea anything about the entertainment industry. Um, I grew up obsessed watching movies, um, television. I was like, okay, a director makes a movie uh, and it ends up on the screen somehow. And that was kind of my knowledge of how things get made. And so I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not a director, Um but uh, I'm just like an obsessive fan and and viewer of it. So I went to college. Um, I went to Cornell for undergrad, and I went there as a math major. And my orientation week, I went to this reception at our theater, film, and dance department. I was like... Oh, I can get credit uh, watching and talking about movies obsessively, which is what I already do. Uh, so I added the second major, um, which was very—it was a very much a analytical type major, not very practical. I took like one production class, one screenwriting class, and the most was analysis-driven uh, classes. And then I graduated, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. I, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my friends in, in the math. Department, you know, we're going on to investment banking and accounting and things like that. And none of that was exciting to me. But what I had heard was people work internships out in LA. Our school had just started an internship program. And here I was, I had already graduated. I was kind of working a little bit, you know, illegally uh, (laughs) coming out here. I had already graduated, not getting paid, and fell into a couple of internships. And then at the end of the summer, An alum who was a partner at a management company had reached out to our alumni organization saying that they needed an assistant at his company. And that's how I was introduced to management. (laughs) I came in, I was an assistant to four managers at the same time, did it for a year. I was like, this is great. I'm learning who the players are, I'm like learning the process, but I want to see kind of some of the other elements of the industry. I don't know much about producing and working with studios, so I I left and tried all of all of those hats, and quickly realize I miss working with uh, clients, and I miss working with creatives, and I miss being part of that process with them. So, long story short, I switched back over to management. I I worked in talent for a while, and then switched back over to lit management um, because as much as fun as talent is, and exciting as it is, and as fast paced it is, I'd much rather talk about story and and uh, character rather than um, you know. What shade to dye your hair? <laughs> you know, not like that's nice. a very. Good enough, but that's not, you know, that's not really my thing. I, I don't want to go, you know, telling people to lose weight or what have you. So, um, so yeah, I uh, switched back to management. Uh, I came to Circle of Confusion in 2015 as a coordinator, and then in 2017, Devin and I launched uh, First Friday Entertainment.
0: Tell us about First Friday Entertainment. So I mentioned earlier in your bio, it's a management production company founded by you and Devin, dedicated to showcase fresh and unique voices. So can you walk us through what you mean by fresh and unique voices, who you're looking for, and how your company differs from another management company?
1: Absolutely. So in spring of 2017, I was working at uh, Circle of Confusion. And my partner, Devin Byers, was working at this company called ID8 Media, uh, which was a small production company, Malaysian based. They had done uh, Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency on BBC America. Um, And at the same time, we just kind of hit these walls together, you know, just in terms of like how far we could go and what we could get people excited about internally. And so we were both just kind of looking for the next thing. And I ended up leaving June of that year. And on my last day, someone literally made a joke. They were like, wouldn't it be funny (laughs) if you guys started a company and Krista would do this and Devin would do this. And at the time we were like, that's adorable. Like that's, you know, maybe one day such a funny idea. And the following week, uh, Devin texted me and he was like, remember that joke um, so-and-so made about uh, starting your own company? I was like, yeah, that was so funny. I'm still you know laughing about it. And he goes, well, what if it wasn't a joke? And immediately it just clicked for me. You know, Devin will say, you know, he had just, it had just kind of, he was incepted basically. Like it was just stuck with him, and he was just like, "Well, why not? Why can't we do this?" Um, and as soon as he put that out there, I was like, "Yes, this is you know, this is a chance we can take." So we sat down that weekend, and within an hour, we started a company. And one of the things we talked about was um, just kind of our frustration with how the industry has talked about diverse and inclusive voices. Um, you know, I've worked at a handful of, of management companies, and they've all been great but i just think the way the industry has approached um diversity up to this point has been very much commodifying and very much you know checking a box and and you know signing someone just because they it seems like that's the trend of of what's getting work out there and it really wasn't very much driven by the voice and, and driven by the stories people tell and, and how where they come from uh, you know influences that and how we can have such a great wide range of experiences behind the camera um, and so we were like, cool, we're, this is our thing. This is what we're passionate about. We're going to run for run with it. And from there, we just kind of built a company repping people who excite us as uh, creatively and, you know, voices that just really speak to our own tastes. Um, you know, between Devin and I were super eclectic and, you know, we're, we just love to find people who may not have had the traditional entrance into this industry. There's such a high barrier to entry in this industry in terms of experience and, and, you know, sacrifices that you have to make. And, you know, I, like I had said earlier, I was very privileged to be able to come out here and work for free for a summer. You know, if my savings had, had run out, I would have had to pack up and leave the industry. And I think there's a lot of people who don't have that access and because there's such a high barrier to entry. And so just kind of built from there, you know, it's been three years and we have people from a wide range of walks of life. And it's just, you know, all with just a really cool point of view and a really cool way of doing the world that we may or may not have seen before.
0: As we move into process, but before we even dive into that, what the difference is, for those who don't know, between a literary manager, a talent manager, and an agent?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of overlap. So um, I think I'll start with the difference between a literary manager and a Talent manager, uh, because that's easier to kind of divide. You know, talent manager deals with, when we say talent in the industry, it it means actors or the people in front of the camera. Um, Literary manager deals with uh, people who create stories. So screenwriters, directors, um, we have, you know, comic book writers, uh, authors, uh, you know, people who create the story. And then the way I like to talk about agents and managers is agents' job is to get you the job you know, they have a client, they have a long list of clients and a wide, wide network. um, And their job is really to just get you work. And a lit manager's job or a manager's job is to get you the right work. You know, we sit and, you know, when we sign a client, we talk about what we want their career to look like. You know, a lot of times we'll say, whose career would you love to have? Or you know, people will come up and they'll be like, I really like Shonda Ryan's career. or I want to be the black uh, Ryan Murphy or, you know, whoever. And we just kind of figure out from there, like, what are the steps we need to take? It's like, do we need to get your scripts in order? Do we need a, a shift in your, in your genre to kind of get you here? You know, what has the feedback been on your material so far? You know, who do we need to target? If you want a staff, what shows are we targeting? How... How how does your material speak to that? If it's a movie, you know, who do we need to connect you with? While it's very important that we keep you working because that's your livelihood and that's um, that's your career, it's also really looking at the whole of your career and looking at you know how are, how are your meetings with people? How are you interacting with people? Who do you know? Who's in your corner? It's just we. I think on a day to day basis we tend to have smaller client lists and agents, which makes us available uh in a way you know my clients text me all the time (laughs) we you know we we chat some some clients depending on what's going on in uh, their lives on a daily basis, if they're holding up riding for a week, we check in with them, you know, to see if, how they're doing in the process. It's just we we wear a lot of hats, <laughs> you know. I say sometimes we're your friend, and sometimes we're your therapist, and sometimes we're your mom and dad, <laughs> and sometimes you know it, we give you that tough love, and sometimes we, you know, kind of coddle you and, and help soothe the ego. It's it's just um, kind of figuring out what tools you need to navigate uh, the industry and really achieve your goal. Uh, career wise.
0: I guess starting at the beginning of the process, obviously you have to find clients. Yeah. For those writers who are listening, is there a point at which they should be at in their career before even thinking of approaching a manager?
1: Yeah. Um the way my partner Devin likes to describe it is we like to get on a moving train. Like we we don't want to come to a train that's already stopped that's stopped on the tracks. You know, we like someone who's like this train is going, whether you like it or not, will help you help it run smoother but it's going to go regardless of if we're on, on it so it you know it's hard to put a number to scripts definitely more than one like the, I like the idea that you've been at it for a time and you're you've seen your own writing improve over time like I you should not think that your script from five years ago is as good as your script from today so that said like I, I think you should have been, been at it a while I think people who come to us um we you know we there's so many different avenues um specifically with writers you know a lot of them have i don't know entered contests or you know have competition i think we should not be the first person to ever read your work is my point you know whether it's a writing group that you've been working with who's given you feedback after over time or you know a lot of classes with teachers who've read we should not be the first ones and you should have been working at your craft for some time other than that, it's such a hard question to answer but and it's hard to gauge where you're at. So, you know, sometimes you do shoot a shot and you, and you get your response and you kind of realize like, oh, maybe it, it, I'm not quite there yet. Um, and other times, you know, you shoot your shot and, and you have embarrassment of riches in terms of a ton of managers interested in you. So,
0: And how should they go about, let's say they listen to what you just kind of described and said, you know what, I fit into that category and I'm ready to start searching. Let's say they have been in touch with different people, but is there a strategy you would suggest for those to approach?
1: I would say, first of all, I think I would say almost every manager wishes they could read absolutely everyone in a very, (laughs) you know, fast and timely fashion. That said, we have a lot on our plates. And so material that comes across my way gets prioritized, Um, you know, and, and it's, And it's always, you know, my client's material first and then everything else after. And then within that, it's ranked, you know, is it something that's already getting made that I need to be aware of or, you know, something like that. And then when it comes to referrals, I prioritize based on like, who already knows me? Who already knows my taste? Who do I want? If it's an agent sending me material or an attorney sending me material, do I want to work with this? You know, is it coming from someone that I love working with and and I trust? So my first bit of advice is check out your networks, you know, check out who we have in common, just really do your research. Who do, who do you know that also knows me? So that would be my first bit of information. And you're, you're always higher up on that list. If you, if it's coming through a referral that said, you know, if, if you're, you know, just coming to the, coming to the industry, if you're just haven't really built up that network yet, which is fine, you know, our job is to help you build that network. But if you are in a position where you need to write a query, um, again, do your research. Some companies, like you said, accept queries. Some companies don't. It just really varies company to company. There's different reasons behind it. Um, you know, sometimes there are very good legal reasons behind it. So take that into account. I keep saying do your research, but like I I hate it when I receive a query and it looks like I'm a, 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 a BCC email blast <laughs> like that, you know. Not all managers are the same. We we're not. We don't all have the same you know tastes and and I want that taken into account. So I personally love if I get a query, someone who shows me who they are on the page. Like I love you know while I love reading about like all the awards you've won and and the plate you know have you placed in contests and all of that. I also want to know like who you are like. You know what is what do you want to do? What is your personality? Are you funny on the page? You know you can show a lot in a query letter, and I think a lot of writers don't take advantage of it. It, it feels like a form letter, um, you know. And so I, you know, I I pick based on, on like does this seem like someone who's interesting? Does this seem like someone who has a story to tell? So I would say just really be specific. Like I want to feel like you're talking to me for a reason, and you've reached out to me for a reason and then beyond that yeah it's just like do your research be careful like be gentle on your follow-ups again we're so slammed and if you're a query you know i hate to say it but you're at the bottom of the pile and you don't stay in that order the whole way like if you're in place number say number 10 in my reading stack you don't stay at 10 sometimes i get more material and that has to be prioritized above my queries so just be really patient with people um be you know just Follow up kindly because follow ups are nice because, you know, it keeps you in mind and, and it reminds us that you do want this. But again, just be very gracious. You know, we, we you're not always privy to how people are using their time. And especially these days, there's a lot going on in our lives, um, in people's personal lives. So just keep that in mind.
0: You mentioned prioritizing your clients' work before any sort of new writers who reach out. But how do you find new clients? How do you decide when you get these query letters or you know contacts through referrals? How do you decide, I am interested in this script, I am interested in this person, are there key things about that person that helps you decide to take them on?
1: Yeah. And I think that varies manager to manager because what we're looking to do ultimately is start a relationship with someone. And so, you know, sometimes I read a script and I'm like, this just hits me. Like for me, I'm I'm very much emotionally drawn to material. So if it hits me emotionally in a way that, you know, that I need, I'm like, let's meet with this person. Let's sit down. Sometimes I get material that I'm like, this, is, this isn't quite in my wheelhouse, but it's very it's very well written. You know, this person has a point of view and has a story and um, I want to read something else by them. You know, uh, sometimes I they, I get material that's very good and that I love and, and is really great, but it doesn't feel particularly sellable coming from a, a brand new writer, you know? And so it just really kind of depends from person to person. Um, but for Devin and I, our process is, you know, one of us reads a piece of material. If we love it, if it's, you know, We have to set the bar so high because there's so many great, talented writers out there. If we love it, we send it to to the other person. So, you know, I'll send it to him and be like, check this out. I thought this was fantastic. I think you'll dig this too. And we both have to agree um, because Devin and I sign everyone together and are full partners and every client that we have. So from there, again, we sit down and we talk and we're, we're like, okay, is this, does this just blow us away so much that we have to meet with this person right now? Do we think this is going to be something that's just, is this a piece of material that's just so special that's going to blow the industry away? Or is it, um, yeah, this is pretty cool. I, I really dug the idea. Um, let's see another piece of work. Um, you know, it just kind of varies from there. And then from there, you know, we sit down with the client or potential client. You know, we want to hear about them, what their backstory is. You know, you should have your backstory ready, a little uh, kind of like practice blurb about your life, you know, and uh, what they want to do, you know, what their goals are, what what their ambitions are. Um, and then we also ask, what are you working on? What's coming up? You always have to have something um upcoming like you can never stop writing you can never at least you can never give the illusion that you've stopped writing like your your job as a writer is to generate material and so even if it's a half-baked idea even if it's something that's a work in progress sometimes people say like oh i've just started outlining to this like that's all great i just want to know what it is you're interested in and 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 what's next for you and does this kind of make sense um for you and your voice uh and so from there you know if it's a great meeting, um, we tell them we want to work with them and we're like, send us all your material. Let's sit down and and kind of figure out where we go from here. Do you have a piece of material ready to go out now? Is there something we need to do a round of notes on before we start sending it out? Um, should we start putting you in rooms with people just to kind of get people to meet you? Or is it more of, you know, yeah, we really kind of dig you and where you're coming from. would love to see more from you. Keep us in the loop. Um, With your next piece of material. Uh, So it just kind of, it just kind of varies from person to person. I think it's also a, again, I said it's a relationship. It's like very much a feeling, like it's someone that you're going to be talking to a lot and someone that you're going to be trusting. Like I have to trust you that you're going to write something that's going to put me as a manager in good light because my reputation is what gets people in the rooms. And then you have to trust me with your career. You know, you have to trust me to kind of get your voice in the direction you're going. So it's very much a two person decision. I don't just decide to take you on, you have to decide to take me on as well. And so yeah, I like I, I compared to dating all the time. It's like finding that there's a lot of great people out there, a lot of great managers, a lot of great writers, but are you the right fit for each other?
0: We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience podcast, with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writerexperience. Again, that's AudibleTrial.com slash Writer Experience for your free audiobook.
1: What's your favourite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favourite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favourite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favourite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth podcast network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favourite film will be next. Hi, I'm
0: George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's A Classic podcast on the Flickering Myth network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre, and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flickr and Myth, iTunes or Spotify.
1: Check out what classic we choose every week.
0: For those writers listening, maybe working on their scripts and thinking about new ideas for scripts, you mentioned some of the reasons why you might want to work with a writer. But as far as the material itself, would you say there's a percentage of you know why you decide that something is a good idea? Is it the strength of the concept itself? Is it the quality of the writing? Is there a percentage, you would say, on all of those, or pretty equal?
1: No. I i mean, I think, again, it's just taste is so subjective. So, And, and it's funny because, like, Devin and I talk, like, we complement each other so well where, you know, for me, the draw is a lot of emotional development, a lot of great dialogue, a lot of – just a lot of character, you know, stuff. And I think for Devin – you know, he loves all that stuff, but he's very big into worlds and concept and, and having that kind of high concept, exciting story and plot. So then when you have the both of us reading it, you know, it has to have both <laughs> uh, <laughs> for us to get into it. But uh, yeah, I don't think there's like a formula. I, I I just know that my personal taste skews towards uh point of view in character. And I think that goes into like why we love diversity so much. We love We love people who come to the table saying like this is how I see things and you may not have seen this before, but this is okay. You know, I'm, um, you know, I I've, I've got that for you and I've got that covered for you. And and that's what gets me personally excited. You know, I love to call up an exec and be like, here, like I haven't seen this before. Like this is really cool. this is such a cool point of view. This person, you know, can bring this to other projects that you're working on. And that's really that's really what's exciting to us because not, you know, we love scripts. Like we would love to just go out and sell the script that you sent our way like that would be great (laughs) but that doesn't always happen a lot of times what happens is like okay cool this producer really dug it they want to hear what else you've got and they and maybe you've got something in there or this producer is working on this project and they need a writer for it and they really and they really dug the tone of your script and in the way you treat your characters so it's really um it's it's got to be something a little bit beyond the script it's it's yes i can write yes i'm good but i have I have my own story that I'm going to bring to the table with every other project that I do in the future because it's such a big longevity game and you can't, stake, you can't stake your career on one script.
0: You mentioned Devin's appreciation for world building and high concepts. Can you tell us about IP and you know the idea that maybe the script that you write or the story, the comic book that you write is such a unique idea that it could become almost like a franchise or something like that? How does that play into what you're looking for?
1: It's both. Like, it's love big, cool ideas, and I think it's easier to get them made when there's IP already. Um, but again, it's point of view. One example I'll say is we work with a creator named James Wright, and he we signed him off of this comic book uh, called Contact High, and it's set in the future um, where contact is illegal, um, and it's about um, the main character's in this facility and he's there to break someone out. But the thing that just kind of makes it special is it's, the leads are gay. You know, he's he's breaking out his boyfriend from this facility. And it's this kind of beautiful love story layered within this high concept. And it's a very short comic book. Um, but it was something that was just so special because we you don't get that re- kind of representation in that high concept sci-fi world. And, you know, again, it was just such such an emotional story told within very few pages. And so it was just something that that we love because it it does combine all of those elements that speak to both of us, you know, and it's a great piece of IP, but it's also a great, you know, unique story. And and it's a story that you can tell means something to our creator.
0: As far as once you begin working with a writer or a storyteller, can you tell us about the concept of writing on spec? As opposed to getting hired to write a script?
1: Sure. I mean, writing on spec basically means you're not getting paid to write the material. Um, you you generally it's generally something that you come up with yourself. Um, and you're like, cool, I'm just gonna write it and then we're gonna go try and sell it. Um, and then the being hired to write something is, you know, uh producer or studio owns the rights to the story whether it's the just an idea or again like a piece of ip like we talked about and you know they're meeting with different writers to tell the story and you go in and pitch your idea they've read your material they know you can kind of write in that wheelhouse and they want to hear your take on it so you go in and you pitch um and then they hire you to write it as
0: far as developing the script what are the first steps when you identify, okay, this is the story that we think is viable, what does that first process of working with the writer look like?
1: Yeah, we generally tell our writers, you know, well, it happens in a of sometimes a writer comes to us and, then, and is immediately like, I need to write this idea, like, I, I, I can't get it out of my head, I need to write it. And and we're like, cool, it feels, again, I hate to say it's sellable, because, it again, it just kind of commodifies your voice, but it's it feels you know, we don't want you to write just like, it's, it's great if you have time to write kind of on your own, but the idea is like, you're making, you're building a livelihood off of it. And so it's we'll sit down and be like, cool. This is kind of feel like what the industry is looking for right now. Are there a lot of buyers for this kind of thing? Has this worked in the past? Um, And sometimes the writer will be like, I I got a bunch of ideas. I don't know what to do. So they'll, they'll email us a list of like five log lines. And Devin and I will be like, yeah, this one sounds awesome. Um, This is really, you know, a lot of people are looking for this right now or the appetite isn't so big for this one right now. So let's kind of put that on the back burner. We just kind of go through it, you know, like that. And from there, um, and I would say most importantly is, do you feel excited by the idea? Does the writer feel excited by the idea? Because it could be a great sellable, marketable, hot idea, but it's going to come through in the writing if you don't dig it. So, um, from there, you know, we're like, cool, go write a treatment, go write an outline and let's talk about it. Um, Devin and I are very hands-on with development. Like we said, Devin has a development background. I, uh, you know, I've been in lit management for uh, most of my career and, and I just love the process and we don't want our writers to feel like they have to go off in a vacuum and then come back to us with a completed work. You know, it, it, it just... You know, you guys are writers, you know how easy it is to kind of get stuck in your head and spin in circles and we don't want to go down a path. Again, like if it's a path of something that doesn't feel super sellable or super marketable, we can kind of be like, that didn't work before, um, want to save you that time. We want our writers to work smarter, not harder. So we just kind of go through the steps, whatever your process is. If it is an outline, if it is a treatment, we do that. If you want to just go off and write a script and come back to us because that's your process, that's fine. And we just, we go through it all with you. We go through your first draft, your second draft, and we give notes throughout and, and want to just make it feel like it's the best version of the work that's going to be out there. Um, and then from there, we talk about, you know, again, who's buying this material, who's mentioned looking for something in, this past, in the past, who will get this voice, um, and just kind of make a list of people that we're going to send it to and, and kind of go from there.
0: As far as working with the writer to get the idea, you know, to fruition, would you say during those phases, treatment, outline, first draft, are there few common areas of improvement that maybe the writer's listening that you've seen that could almost help them as they're working on their own stories? These are a few things I see all the time that you could, if you know this, it might help you as you develop your own idea.
1: That's a good question um, because it really does vary writer to writer. You know, everyone has their own strengths in writing. You know, it's going to sound super cliche, but don't hold back. Like, these are your drafts where you can put everything on the page. And again, to use a cliche, it's easier to subtract than add. You know, it's easier if you've written too much and, and have made this, pulled this too far and made the stroke too, you know, beat the stroke down too much or whatever. And then for us, and for us to be like, look, that didn't kind of land or this this is a little bit too much. Let's, let's just have it end here or, you know, what have you. Um, I would say that's probably the easiest. Don't be don't be coy with your language like you know sometimes I see work that's like you know how when you read the back of of the dating myself but like of a video cassette where it has like the little description of the show or the movie and it's like you never guess what comes next dot 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 like you don't need to do that on your treatment like Put it all out there. Put it all on the page. I want to know what happens in the beginning, middle, end. What gets you there? What shifts in the character? Like, be really clear with your character arcs. So just, like, put it all on the page. You don't have to hide anything from us. Nothing. I don't want any surprises, you know. When um, I read another draft of, like, the full thing, you know, just, just, really, just really put it all out there so we can talk about it.
0: What about those writers you're working with? I imagine, you know, most writers you work with probably have no problem, you know, meeting deadlines and finding the motivation to write every day if that's what their career is. But at the same time, every writer goes through different periods where they are and they have writer's block or maybe they're not as motivated. Do you have, you know, words of wisdom for what you tell your clients or for those writers listening?
1: Totally. Be nice to yourself. Like Like we're all in a period of time where we have to be gentle with ourselves. Your output now isn't going to be what it was um, prior to to, uh, the world going up. Uh, Like it, you know, just be patient with yourselves. It's not going to, It may, or you could be in this like great fruitful time and you're holed up at home and you don't have your day job. So, you know, just kind of go with it, you know, don't force it either way. Don't hold yourself back if you're in a really, you know, fruitful time. And again, don't force it. Uh, obviously prioritize the work that's paying you, you know, when our clients have a bunch of different things on their plate, they've got to handle the jobs that are paying them first. Um, You know, if it's a writing assignment that that's paying them, they got to do that. Uh, But, you know, don't, I would say also don't keep it all in. If you're stuck somewhere, bounce an idea off with a friend, you know, someone that you trust and, and spitball or go work on something else. Go watch something else. Go read something else. Um, I love writers that are well read and well viewed. Uh, <laughs> whatever the whatever the term is, like you can tell when someone consumes a lot of it in a good way. And yeah, I mean, just like don't be hard on yourself. It's the world is hard on us, you know, as is. As far
0: as you know, the pitch. I imagine there's a point at which you want to pitch an idea to a studio. Is that do you find Usually before you start developing the script, does it help to have the script done? Like where do you find that, you know, the yeah. right place to start talking to a studio or pitching to someone?
1: Again, it varies on what your strength is as a writer. Like, does it help organize your thoughts to to go write a script and then kind of pull out the the bits of it to make a pitch? Or does the pitch, you know, sometimes the pitch comes naturally in your development process, you know, as you're putting together your outline and your treatment, you're thinking about all these questions about the world and and the plot that can be distilled into a pitch document. Um, I will say, I think if you're just emerging as a writer, it's hard to sell a pitch. You know, I think studios are very careful with their money, you know, and they like to pay, they like to take gambles on Quote unquote, whatever a sure thing is these days, you know, and so for them, that means a more seasoned writer, someone who has a track record of success and, and, um, you know, writing on deadlines, like we talked about, and and doing the process. So I think emerging, it's a little bit easier to sell a script on spec, like we talked about before, for you to just write the script and then taking it to a bunch of places to sell. I think if it's a pitch, I think sometimes. It depends on like the elements of the pitch. Like, it sometimes we'll do what's called like creating the creating the package. Like, who you know, if there is another producer that's supposed to be on it. If it's a TV show, and maybe you bring in a showrunner ahead of time, or maybe you bring in a piece of talent, you know, an actor who who means something to these studios. So uh, it's just kind of evaluating what's best for the project and for the story. You know, I think some stories are easier sold on the pitch, and some are you know, people need to actually see the script to kind of get what the concept is. So it, I think it's, I would say, it's great the idea of being, you know, selling a pitch and then being paid to write the script. But I would say don't put all your eggs in that basket um, if it's not right for the project and for where you're at in your career.
0: As far as the pitch itself, you mentioned the pitch document. Can you walk us through briefly what that document looks like?
1: Sure. I, you know, everyone has their own, uh, (laughs) there's, there's a lot of resources out there that they're all kind of different, you know, things. And again, I think it's gotta be, I think in Hollywood, pitching is very conversational. It's not, you know, a, a curated PowerPoint presentation where you hit this, 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 but I would say the elements, you know, um, character, you know, who are your main characters? What's the arc, you know, what's their journey? Where do they start in this project? Where do they end in this project? What happened before before we meet them in the script, like what happened, a uh, plot, of course, what happens in the beginning, the middle, and the end, where does it go? What's your theme? What are you trying to say about life and about this piece of, you know, what, what is this saying about your outlook? How did it come to you? Uh, I would say very important why you should be writing it. You know, there's a lot of stories to be told. Why is this your story to tell? Why are you the expert You know, why, why does what's gone on in your life, what about your life uh, contributes to your ability to tell uh, the story? I would say those are kind of the big ones. And then, um, you know, I would say it varies. Like if you're, if you're also a director, sometimes, you know, if you have a really good eye, sometimes a lookbook is great. You know, having, putting together images of, you know, that's kind of set the tone and and shows whoever's looking like what, what this is going to look like. It just kind of, it just, again, like make it fit you as a writer. It's it's better to take the material, and make it fit you, than you try to fit something else.
0: When a script or, you know, story gets greenlit, what should writers expect for the next steps?
1: Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it varies. Like if it's a smaller project, you know, if it's like an indie film, I think it's a little bit easier to have that ownership over it and being involved in the next steps. If you're selling it to a big studio, you know, Either way, it's going to be rewritten, like studios build in rewrites to this. And so it, it depends on what your experience is and, and who is, has their hands on the material. So yeah, generally a smaller indie project, you'll probably be a, a lot more involved in. Um, on the TV side, yeah, unless, you're, unless, unless you've been a showrunner before, you, we're going to have to bring in a showrunner. Like, Do not expect to run your own show when you just when you have no experience running a show or being in a room which is fine. You know, you want to, and I I don't look at it as, don't look at it as it being taken away from you or you having failed in some way. You know, these are things that give you the best chance of getting a show on air. You know, having having a proven showrunner involved only strengthens your project. So, I mean, and and like, you know, I think contractually you can try to arrange for some things, whether it's, you know, you being in the room of your own show, which is, you know, if that's what you want to do with Sometimes we have IP creators who just want to sell the material and then and then walk away to do the, to the next thing. You know, it just depends on what you want out of it. Talk to your team about it. Talk to your manager and agent and attorney because we can kind of build and have those conversations as we're setting it up. So, but yeah, I mean, what you can expect, you know, creatively is, you know, some kind of kickoff call or kickoff. Like these days it's a call or a Zoom. <laughs> uh, you know, kickoff meeting where you talk about, creatively what needs to be done to to put this on air, to, to green light it, you know, whether it is a rewrite or maybe we do need to find that piece of talent. Um, it's just you kind of strategizing and hopefully you have a nice strong producer who can advocate for you in it um, and make sure that your vision stays the same throughout.
0: What is the end goal for your clients and what is the end goal for you?
1: Sure. For my clients, you know, it, it they all want, I would say most people come to this industry because it's a dream, right? Like they, they've seen movies that have changed their lives. They've seen, you know, television shows that have made an impact in the way they think or they view the world or or the way they've been entertained, or maybe it's come to them in a very difficult time. And I think everyone kind of wants to be a part of that. And so I would say for our clients, it is like having a having a history of movies that makes them really proud or running a show that that's been running for a long time and, and, you know, stays true to your vision. I think success generally is just to kind of like emulate when we first have those first conversations about like, what does your career, like whose career would you love to have? Like, that is the goal. Um, you know, just, just to really create, you know, our clients are artists, like create a piece of art that just really stands for their vision and, and create a series of art pieces of art, like, a, you know, longevity. I think for us, it's to really have a roster of clients who speak to that, you know, clients, I think there's a long way to go um, in terms of equity in this, in this industry. And when we're talking about diversity and inclusion, I think there's not, you know, when you talk about a list of showrunners, you know, there's only a handful of, you know, showrunners of color or, or LGBTQ showrunners or, you know, or directors who can get greenlit at the studio. And so, I mean, we would love to have a roster full of those clients, you know, um, ones who really mean something in this industry in term, and when I say mean something, I mean, can get that green light, can, you know, go in and, and you know, have a bunch of studios trying to make your, make your thing. And so we would love to have a solid roster of those clients while also having having that bandwidth to still discover those new voices and emerging voices because I think there's so much out there and there's so many stories to be told and there's just a long way to go towards having heard all of them. I also um, would love our company to just really, on the production side, just really mean something in terms of, you know, when we attach to a project, we, people know what that means, but we we'll are bring to the table in terms of like servicing the the project and the voice and getting it made. So yeah, I think those are kind of our goals. It's always shifting, you know and it could change in the future, but that's really the dream for us right now.
0: Moving away from process a bit, my next question is, with everything going on in the world right now, how can writers and storytellers use their craft to inspire positive change?
1: That's a great question. That's a really great question. Um, I mean, just be really, really thoughtful. You know, I think be really honest with yourself in terms of, what you want to write and what you want to do. I think now more than ever is not the time to write towards what you think the industry wants or what you think, you know, sells. Like if you have a story to tell that we haven't seen before, that means something to you and really speaks to you emotionally. And then now is the time to write it because I think people are open, a lot more open um, to this. Cause I think people realize that there needs to be changes. I think just really, you know, I think there's a lot of people going through a lot of pain right now and channel that into your writing, you know. Or if the way you deal with your pain is humor, channel that into your writing. You know, just take whatever is going on. And if and if it, you know, it may not feel like a script right now. If it's a poem, if it's a book, if it's a comic book, go write that, you know. I think every everything exercises that muscle. And I think like I'm just a big fan of not forcing your voice into a certain box. Um, There's just so many different ways to tell a story and so many ways for that story to get made that I think just really, just really take what it is you're dealing with and put it into the medium that, that feels organic to you right now. Um, And then from there you can edit, you know, edit later, don't edit now um, or or format now or whatever.
0: Love that. My last question Mm -hmm. is if you could choose one piece of advice are learning from your entire career that you'd like to pass along to the writers who are listening. What would you say? Is there one thing?
1: Yeah, I, I said it earlier, but keep reading and watching things. Um, I know it's, I know, especially when it starts to feel like your job to write and you think you might want that distance, like don't stop reading and watching stuff. I think it does a lot of different things. I think a, it reminds you why you're doing this. What inspires you about your goal? Because you're going to need that inspiration all throughout your career. There's going to be so many times where you're like, Why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this torture? Um, I think it also, you learn from it, you know, you learn like, you know, for example, what dialogue feels more authentic, what feels, or what feels more just like I'm writing to a type, Um, you know, uh, you learn what's, what's popular, you learn format, you know, if you're reading, you learn how to format your scripts, because not everyone can go to film school or or take a writing class. A lot of scripts out there on the internet, or being published, you can go, read a script and learn how to format your script um, just keep consuming as much as possible um, because it just it just keeps you so fresh and it keeps you it keeps you in touch and it makes me feel like I'm walking I'm starting a relationship with someone who knows what they're doing even if you've never done it before just the idea that you know how to format your script or you know how to handle dialogue or how to handle pacing like that that just makes my job so much easier and I think it makes you very well received in this industry.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you, Krista. Did you want to plug any websites or any social media, maybe the First Friday Entertainment website or your Twitter handle, anything?
1: Yeah. Uh, so we're on Twitter as at First Friday End. First Friday and. Uh, I think we're on Facebook as the same. Um, you may have an Instagram, but I don't think we've ever updated it. And I will say Black Lives Matter.
0: Love it. Well, thank you again, Krista, for your insights and your time. It was an honor. I think it was a really great one for those writers who are looking for a presentation. So thank you again. Really appreciate your time.
1: Awesome. I hope it was helpful. And and thanks for letting me go on and on about what I love.
0: Of course. We love it too. So thank you so much. And thanks to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at WriterEXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.